in the talk this evening, I'd like to explore a little bit more the theme of acceptance, its relationship to meditation, and its place in our lives. It seems to me that meditation is actually really concerned with learning the art of peace which in itself I feel is the art of wise relationship. It is not always easy for us to understand how to live in a peaceful way with a world which presents us with so many possibilities of struggle and conflict. It's also not always so easy for us to understand how to live in a way in which we feel truly at peace with ourselves. How to live in a way within our, this most intimate relationship in our life. Our relationship within our, with ourselves. In a way that is free from struggle and denial and conflict. There is truly an art to learning how to live with life's challenges and hardships without fear and without resistance. There's a great art to discovering how to also, how to bring light into the darkness we sometimes encounter in our own world and our own heart. It's truly an art to learning how to heal the divisions and the struggles we encounter in ourselves and our world. And I feel that one of the greatest keys to developing that art is actually learning the wisdom and the skill of genuine acceptance. Learning how to bring a genuine acceptance, a vital acceptance, to the shadows and the darkness that we meet in our world. And learning how to bring that same wisdom and compassion to embrace the shadows we meet in our personal world. Many times these two worlds, the inner world and the outer world, they appear to us to be very separate. And yet I think as we explore our own world in meditation, we do begin to experience how these two worlds can never in truth be separated. Acceptance is a quality, a possibility, that profoundly challenges us in our lives and in our spiritual journey. To understand acceptance, we are asked to understand the nature of fear. We are also asked to find within ourselves the great depth of humility, of courage, of forgiveness, and equanimity. All of these have to do with acceptance. To learn how to live with acceptance, we are also asked to learn how to live with renunciation. To let go of the past, to let go of the images and the resentments that we harbor and cherish, so that we can be present. And above all, to live with acceptance, we are asked to learn the skill of emptying and clearing our own hearts and minds so that we can listen to ourselves, 
so that we can see ourselves and our world and others in new and deep ways, rather than endlessly through the filters of what we know, our conclusions and our images. There is a great skillfulness and wisdom to living with a certain innocence and open-heartedness in our world. Acceptance challenges us deeply because it does appear that there are so many things that are unacceptable. When we attune ourselves to the condition of our world, we experience many different feelings arising within us. And if we really listen with great sensitivity to the events and the tragedies taking place in our world, we often feel despair, at times we feel rage, at times we feel powerless. There are many times, I'm sure, in all of us where we feel appalled and horrified by the seemingly bottomless capacity of human beings to inflict pain and suffering upon one another. And there are probably many times when we feel bewildered by the capacity of human beings for violence and for destruction and by the heedlessness and greed that seems to lead only to the inevitable destruction of our planet. It is very difficult to accept much of what we see and much of what we are exposed to. And I think there are also many times when we are exposed to tragedy and to cruelty and to violence where we also do very much question the wisdom of acceptance and question what the nature of true acceptance actually is in the face of so much conflict and actually what role it might play in transformation. Acceptance is challenging for us in our relationship to the world around us. It is equally challenging to us in our own lives, in our relationship to ourselves and relationship to many of the people that we actually meet in our world. There are moments in many of our lives, in many of your lives, when our personal world actually feels filled with darkness. When we meet tragedy, when we meet loss, death, rejection, failure, all of these are human experiences. There is no being who is exempt from pain. No one amongst us who has the power in our lives to avoid pain totally. There is no one who possesses defenses that are strong enough to make them invincible or invulnerable to so many of life's challenges and changes. And there are many times when we are faced with the difficult, with conflict, with struggle, with loss or with death, when we really struggle with those experiences there are many times it seems when things in life happen to us and we try to make sense of them and we try to discover the meaning within them. And there are also many times when we are faced with darkness or difficulty in our lives when we do feel to be a victim, when we do feel overwhelmed or we feel very angry at what seems to be like an injustice or unfairness. There are countless people in our world who ask, why did this happen to me? 
Our capacity to accept this challenge not only by life's unpredictability, but also by our own being. I think we appreciate how rare and what a rare gift it is to be able to encounter true acceptance in our lives, to offer it or to receive it. There are many people in our world who have never had the experience of being totally and unconditionally accepted by another. And there are equally many people who, in searching their own hearts, discover that actually there is not one other person in their world that they accept very fully, that they accept totally and unconditionally. And I think if we reflect upon this in our own lives, it's pretty rare. You know, to, find, to have one person who we accept totally and unconditionally. Conditions and judgment are actually the currency of many of our relationships. If you fulfill my expectations, if you fit in with my desires, if you flatter me, enhance me, please me, I accept you. If I fulfill your expectations, flatter you, support you, please you, you will accept me. Until that moment when I no longer do so. And how often in those moments when someone displeases us or offends us, or when we displease or offend another person, what is tested in that moment is the, the depth of the acceptance we may have encountered. And how often it's withdrawn. And instead we may face or extend disapproval, rejection, judgment, or negativity. I think it is also true that self-acceptance, knowing how to accept ourselves very unconditionally and very totally, is also no easy lesson for us to learn. For many people who have grown up in an environment where they have never known the gift of unconditional acceptance, they are actually exiled and banished from knowing the skillfulness of really how to accept themselves fully. Now, I think, you know, when we drop many of our camouflages and disguises, as we often do on retreat, it's not at all uncommon for people to discover that they have quite a strong agenda for themselves in their lives, quite a strong agenda of improvement and perfection that is intended and quite a strong list of debits and credits about who they are and how they see themselves. It is not at all uncommon for people to discover when they drop their camouflages and busyness and armor that there is much about themselves that they actually hold with a certain suspicion, mistrust, or aversion. And then this often comes up very strongly on retreat, sometimes you will feel appalled by what goes on within their own hearts and minds. Some people are appalled to discover that they can go through a day endlessly judging 
are endlessly condemning or endlessly kind of entertaining them, you know, apparently very petty preoccupations of how everybody else on the retreat should be performing and appearing. Sometimes, too, we feel horrified by the power that we encounter in our own angers, our own hungers, and our own needs. Some people discovered that the voice of the critic, the voice of the judge, is a fairly pervasive presence in their consciousness, always on duty, always alert to imperfection, endlessly seeking fault and blame. You know, there's that, that wonderful statement, you know, that why is self-knowledge always such bad news? You know, it's, it's not that it is always such bad news, but there is a process, certainly, of dropping camouflage where we are at times surprised and find it also at times difficult to accept what arises within ourselves. Now, there is also, I think, a very valid voice within ourselves that questions the wisdom of acceptance, not only in relationship to the world, but also in relationship to ourselves. I think sometimes, even as we suffer the consequences of judgment and rejection in the form of shame and pain and fear, even as we like very much the idea of accepting ourselves totally. I mean, this sounds great in theory, you know. Just accept myself totally. I mean, there's another part of us that really wonders, well, if I were to do that, would anything ever change? I mean, if I just accepted my, my dependency and my inadequacy and my greed and my, and my sloth and my, my anger and, and my hatred, would I not just experience more of the same? You know, would it just not kind of give permission for all of this to continue? And I think there is a certain element or, or, of conditioning within ourselves that says, you know, that if you meet the imperfect, the solution is that it is your responsibility to fix it. You know, that you've got to fix it, you've got to make it better, you've got to make it perfect, and you can only do this through striving and through forcing and through, through busyness and through rearranging and, and, and through work, basically. Work. Work on yourself. You know, this is why sometimes people come to meditation, you know, and they, they transfer that, that kind of passion and talk endlessly about what they're working on now, you know. I think it is also, it's very important to clarify what we mean about acceptance. I mean, one can see just as acceptance can become a kind of permissiveness or, or condoning inwardly, this could also happen in our relationship to the world. You know, you could imagine the delight of the exploiters and the polluters and the torturers and the abusers in our world if they heard the news that we were all just going to be totally and unconditionally accepting of all things that go on in our world. I think it is very important to divorce genuine acceptance from any association with passivity. To be accepting certainly doesn't imply in any way that all things are acceptable. 
it doesn't imply in any way any kind of condoning or passivity in relationship to suffering. I think it is very important to appreciate that conflict and struggle that we experience in our lives that take place in our world, these are consequences. That division and that hatred and, and that greed and anger, these are always just going to lead to more of the same as long as they are not challenged and questioned and confronted. And a spiritual life, a path of peace, is one surely that is profoundly and deeply committed to the end of all suffering, to the end of all hatred, the end of all division. It is a life which is committed to transformation, which means clear responsiveness. It means discriminating wisdom. It means courage. But it also means ending within ourselves the very seeds of hatred and rejection and denial. It means that no matter how much we may challenge or question the actions of another, that there is nothing that another person can do or say that deserves that we will cast them out of our hearts. I feel also it is necessary to be very clear about this quality of acceptance in terms of our relationship to the world and to ourselves. There is a remarkable spiritual neurosis um, around self, self-blame. And there are many times when people encounter um, difficulty in their lives or difficult situations in their world and they feel um, that they want to object, they want to bring bad transformation, they want to change. They feel some very strong passions and commitments about what they encounter. And sometimes there's the feeling that if I was more accepting, and if I was more generous, if I was more compassionate, if I was more loving, if I was more forgiving, forgiving, I wouldn't have problems with this person, or I wouldn't have problems with this situation in my life. Well, the problem is not always us. There are situations in the world, actually, which by their very nature need to be challenged. Being more accepting, more generous, more compassionate, these are often concepts or idealized concepts that we hold within our minds that excuse fear, that become reasons or avenues to avoid actually dealing or responding to that which we are afraid of. I think we need to be very clear about this. Acceptance is never passive. It is a vital and alive relationship. It means a sense of concern and responsibility towards the well-being of our world, towards our own well-being. But acceptance is also not a formula or a strategy of the mind. Acceptance actually has much to do with the heart. It has much to do with feeling. 
the way in which we receive our inner world and our outer world, as well as the wisdom and the clarity of our responses. I feel that genuine acceptance is actually rooted in our own inner commitment to having no enemy and to having no opponent in our hearts or in our lives. The commitment to having no enemies is actually a commitment inwardly to leaving behind a world of fear and mistrust, a commitment to no longer walking the paths in our own lives of struggle and resistance and anger. It is also a commitment to learning, a commitment to peace, a commitment to acceptance must also be a commitment to learning, to going beyond the boundaries of what we know or what we think that we know about ourselves, about other people, about our world. It's truly a commitment to going beyond our concepts and images, to touch the heart of another person, to touch the reality of each moment. Genuine acceptance is a gift. It's a gift we offer ourselves, a gift that we offer our world of love, of compassion and of forgiveness. It is not something that is weak. There is something remarkably powerful about acceptance. It is not something that is fearful. There is also something remarkably fearless about acceptance. In a very real way, I would say, actually, that meditation begins with acceptance. That discovering peace in our inner world, our personal world, in the world of relationship, begins with acceptance. Just as transformation is actually part of acceptance. I would also like to say that acceptance, I never feel, is not some ideal state that we're going to reach at some future point in our life. You know, it's easy to say, you know, that after I've resolved this particular difficult situation I'm in right now, then I'm going to be very accepting after that. You know, then I'm going to really know how to accept things in my life. Or after I've divorced myself from this person who I have a lot of difficulty with, you know, that this is one person I really dislike. After I've divorced myself from them, then I'm going to be really accepting. After I've worked out my own problems and resolved my conflicts, then I'm going to be accepting. Have you ever noticed how much easier it is to be accepting when we're very distant from those things we dislike? That's the easiest time to be so generous in our lives, so accepting, so compassionate. And it is in the intimacy of our connection with the difficult the intimacy of our, our encounter with the difficult within ourselves, the things we don't like, the people we don't like, the situations we don't like, these are the moments actually that are our invitation to understand what acceptance is actually all about, to understand what it means to let go of struggle and resistance. I mean, to understand acceptance, we also need to understand the dynamics of non-acceptance. To understand the dynamics and the process of resistance and rejection and struggle. 
the moments in our day here, the moments in our life when we find ourselves most judgmental, most resisting, most denying, most suppressive, these are the moments that are actually offering us the opportunity to learn the wisdom of acceptance, of being with what is. These are actually the only moments in our life when we are face to face with the difficult, that we can actually understand the possibility of transformation. The past is something that is ended, and the future is something that is yet to come. The challenges, the hardships that we encounter in our world, the judgments that we place upon others, the things that we dislike about ourselves, none of these are our opponents in truth. Our real opponents in our lives and in our relationship with ourselves lie in our rejection and denial and resistance, not in the hardships or the challenges we encounter. I'd like to read you a story which is about a teaching about resistance. The poor man had come to the end of his rope, so he went to his rabbi for advice. Holy rabbi, he cried, things are in a bad way with me, and they're getting worse all the time. We're poor, so poor, that my wife, my six children, my in-laws, and I have to live in a one-room hut. We get in each other's way all the time. Our nerves are frayed, and because we have plenty of troubles, we quarrel. Believe me, my home is a hell, and I'd sooner die than continue living this way. The rabbi pondered the matter gravely. My son, he said, promise me to do as I tell you, and your condition will improve. I promise, rabbi, answered the troubled man, I'll do anything you say. Tell me, what animals do you own? I have a cow, a goat, and some chickens. Very well. Go home now and take all of these animals into your house to live with you. <laughs> the poor man was dumbfounded, but since he promised the rabbi, he went home and he brought all the animals into his house. The following day, the poor man returned to the rabbi and cried, Rabbi, what a misfortune have you brought upon me? I did as you told me and brought the animals into the house, and now what have I got? Things are worse than ever. My life is a perfect hell. The house is turned into a barn. Save me, Rabbi. Help me. My son, replied the rabbi serenely, go home and take the chickens out of your house. God will help you. So the poor man went home and took the chickens out of his house. But it wasn't long before he again came running to the rabbi. Holy rabbi, he wailed, help me, save me. The goat is smashing everything in the house. She's tying my life into a nightmare. Go home, said the rabbi gently, and take the goat out of the house. God will help you. The poor man returned to his house and removed the goat. But it wasn't long again before he again came running to the rabbi, lamenting loudly. What a misfortune you brought upon my head, rabbi. The cow has turned my house into a stable. How can you expect a human being to live side by side with an animal? You're right, a hundred times right, agreed the rabbi. Go straight home and take the cow out of your house. And the poor unfortunate hastened home and took the cow out of his house. Not a day had passed before he came running again to the rabbi. 
Rabbi, cried the poor man, his face beaming, you've made life so sweet again for me. With all of the animals out of the house, it's so quiet, so roomy, and so clean. What a pleasure. <laughs> In the learn about acceptance is learning the bad which we most are most angry with that which we are most fearful of, that which we are most judgmental of, or that which we have most aversion for. This is actually what we are asked to be willing to turn toward. The shadows that we might carry within ourselves, the people who challenge us in our lives, as long as we see them as being opponents or enemies, we have abandoned learning. As long as we see anything as opponent or an enemy, we have abandoned learning because we have closed our hearts. We live then in a world of images and conclusions. In turning toward what we most fear or what we most judge or what we have the most aversion for, we actually take the first and the most significant step in understanding acceptance because we are actually open to learning. By befriending through turning towards what we most want to reject, we begin to question and to sow the seeds of understanding. In doing that, we actually cast aside so many of our own fears and despairs and self-doubts. You know, in meditation, people often find themselves longing to have some sort of breakthrough. But the most significant breakthrough in meditation is actually breaking through our resistance to being with what is. As long as we resist what is in our lives, the actualities we encounter, it is very difficult to find in our hearts either compassion or forgiveness. Through resistance, we tie ourselves in knots. Disliking others, disliking ourselves, and continuing resistance, actually what we do is we confirm our judgment. In continuing resistance, we are actually saying, I know you, to another person, when actually all that we know is what we think about them, or what we have judged about them. Likewise, at times, in resisting ourselves, we are saying to ourselves, I know me. I know who I am. I accept my beliefs and my descriptions to be the truth of who I am. And in this, there is no more learning. We see the solution to aversion or resistance as being distance. Actually, in doing that, we only confirm the vision and sometimes confirm only the world of our judgment. I'll tell you a story about something that once occurred during a one-month retreat here. And the people involved wouldn't at all mind me telling you this story because they told it themselves at the end of the retreat. During this retreat, one-month retreat here, in the, there was these two women who were roommates. They'd never met before the retreat. And they never spoke before the retreat. They went into silence at the beginning of the retreat. And one of the women liked to sleep, and the other liked to wake up in the morning for the first thing. 
So every morning as I hear the bell ringer would go around ringing the bell and what one woman in the room would do would be also to set her alarm to go off five minutes after the bell was rung. Now her roommate couldn't understand why she always set this very loud alarm to go off five minutes after the bell had rung because after all there was a bell ringer. There seemed no need to have this extra alarm, you know, just as she was beginning to gently wake up in the morning. But every morning the alarm would go off. Now, gradually, she began to feel pretty frustrated with this alarm going off, and it seemed so unnecessary. I mean, they were both sitting there awake. You know, why is this alarm going off? And she began to feel, well, you know, why is this person so insensitive? Why are they setting this alarm? You know, they're obviously disturbing me. They're incredibly insensitive. And she began to get very angry, and so angry that even one day, she, she came into the room very quietly when the when roommate was eating lunch and took the battery out of her alarm and replaced it with a dead battery. <laughs> but sure enough, the next day, she'd managed to find a new battery, and the next morning, sure as anything, the alarm went off again. Well, all the 30 days, this began to build up a little bit. You know, began to fill her meditations about this insensitive roommate, you know, who must be so, so out of tune, so disconnected. She couldn't understand how he's disturbing her. I said, at the end of the, the month, she, she was hoping, anticipating, dreaming of the day when she would no longer wake up to this alarm and possibly never have to see this insensitive person ever again in her whole life. Well, we came to the last day of the retreat. And unfortunately, this woman had the wisdom to actually, and the willingness, and, and, and the courage, actually, to, to want to check out what was going on. So finally, the silence broke, and she finally had the opportunity to say, why, you know, why do you set your alarm clock every morning? And the woman said to her very simply, well, I'm deaf, and I can't hear the bell. And she said it was such a kind of wake-up call for her, how she had built up this whole world of images, this whole conclusion about this person's insensitivity, you know, the, the blindness, and yet also had the courage to question that image and that conclusion. And yet so easy is it for us on the basis of isolating something in another person's appearance, their speech, their action, in ourselves too. Also we do this to ourselves. To isolate something within ourselves and to say, this is the truth of who I am. This is the whole truth of another person. And on the basis of that, to determine our relationship to ourselves and to others in our world. And non-acceptance can wear many faces. Sometimes it wears the faces of this division we make between what should be and what is. There is a vast difference between what can be and what is, and what should be and what is. How many times we create struggles in our lives out of cherishing our expectations. Our expectations of others, our expectations of ourselves, our expectations of our meditation experience. Our expectations are often so subtle and hidden, we don't even know we have them until we encounter disillusionment and anger and disappointment and, and rage within ourselves. I'd like you to think of meditation, your experience of meditation, as being a microcosmic view of the world of expectations. 
How many times in our sittings and in our walkings we create obstacles and opponents and enemies out of our minds, our thoughts, our memories, our feelings, our bodies, aspects of ourselves. How many times do we drag ourselves out of the meditation room or even more reluctantly drag ourselves into the meditation room? <laughs> filled with self-doubt and filled with aversion. You know, we have this idea. You know, we've heard it. We've read all the books. We've listened to the talks and we know meditation is about peace, <laughs> calmness, serenity, tranquility, equanimity, open-heartedness, compassion, wisdom. <laughs> well, we seem to have so many obstacles in the way of all of these things. Obstacles that we have to overcome, that we have to get rid of, that we have to perfect, so that we can be calm and peaceful and equanimous so that we can fit in with our expectations of how we should be. And our expectations in life most certainly determine our response to what is. When we are faced with our expectations being disappointed, how often we respond with aversion and numbness or rejection, or else we become meditated with a mission. You know, a meditator whose mission it is to, you know, stop the chattering mind, to stop the thinking, to get rid of this, to change that. We don't always notice that our resistance and our non-acceptance and our rejection ties us into such knots of tension that actually our resistance prevents anything from changing. It actually prevents transformation. Sometimes non-acceptance wears the face of judgment. Judgment is a very visible face of fear and of aversion. There are times when we find ourselves judging, times when we don't even find ourselves judging in terms of thought, where we feel ourselves judging in terms of our body, in terms of the feelings within our body. When we start find ourselves pulling away from another person, tensing up inwardly, recoiling or distancing. Sometimes our aversion is for ourselves. Sometimes the aversion we feel is towards the actions or the appearance of another. And have you ever noticed how our judgments, once they have been made, create a certain pattern of relationship that is rigid and frozen? as long as our judgments are not questioned. You know, think about a sitting you may have had today, you know, which may have been difficult, you know, and how you may have judged yourself, you know, how you may have sat there kind of, you know, dwelling upon, you know, how miserable somebody else is in your life, you know. Or a sitting when, or a time in, uh, in your day here, or in your life, where you felt offended, by someone or by something, by something they've done. Now, when you next come into this sitting, you know, if you've spent the last setting, sitting judging yourself as being inadequate, a failure, how do you approach the next sitting you come to? If someone has offended you and you have judged them as being, you know, hostile or insensitive, how do you meet that person in the next moment that you meet them? How much openness do we bring? 
often very little. Often we are seeing that person or seeing ourselves or seeing our experience only through the eyes of what has gone before. <coughs> only through the eyes of the past, of something that is already finished. We have created a history for another person or created a history for ourselves, for our judgment. Again, there is little room for change. Aversion is actually very threatening to us in our lives. Aversion makes us fearful. Sometimes what we feel aversion for, in those moments we're actually saying, I do not trust in myself that I can actually accommodate, learn, or embrace that which offends me. Instead, I feel threatened or undermined. I think it's very important in our practice to be aware of the power of images that we carry. When we say, I am, I am greedy, I am inadequate, I am defensive, I am insensitive. When we say, you are, you are like this, another person in our life is like this. To be aware that so many of our descriptions are actually only a description of the past and never of the present. That in a way they deny change and openness. That in many times transformation can only find its roots in our willingness to let go of our images and our assumptions. No matter how long a history our images have. like to read your stories as you may know. I have a friend, a woman I know already many years. This is a conversation between an elderly man and a young, a young friend. He says, I have a friend, a woman I know already many years. One day she's mad at me from nowhere it comes. I have insulted her, she tells me. How? I don't know. Why don't I know? Because I don't know her. She surprised me. That's good. That's how it should be. You cannot tell someone, I know you. People jump around. They are like a ball. Robbery, they bounce. A ball cannot be long in one place. Robbery, it must jump. So what do you do to keep a person from jumping? The same as with a ball. You take a pin and stick it in. Make a little hole. It goes flat. When you tell someone, I know you, you put a little pin in. So what should you do? Leave them be. Don't try to make them stand still for your convenience. You don't ever know them. Let people surprise you. This likewise you could do concerning yourself. Sometimes non-acceptance can also wear the face of numbness or avoidance or grasping. Now I feel the path of wisdom, the path of acceptance is not concerned with assumptions or conclusions or descriptions. It's not concerned with trying or with striving to be accepting. Certainly a path of acceptance requires great courage to turn towards our images, our expectations, our shadows and demons. To turn towards what we feel impulsively we want to avoid or distance ourselves from. 
to step out of numbness and avoidance, to consciously cultivate the willingness to begin anew in each moment in our lives is one of the greatest gifts we can ever offer to another person or ever offer to ourselves. To bring an open heart and a mindful focus to our moments of struggle and resistance. That is what allows us to begin stepping out of reactions, to begin to understand and to heal, to begin to understand what a profound gift is generosity of spirit. Transformation isn't separate from acceptance. It begins actually with our willingness to befriend and listen to our own moments of struggle and our own moments of aversion, to trust that we have the capacity to heal ourselves and to heal our world through the open-heartedness we bring to each moment, through ceasing to have opponents and enemies. I have a friend who has a, a dog in California. And one day, she took her dog for a walk in, in Berkeley. It was a pretty warm day, so she decided she would go into a coffee shop to, to have a cold drink. So outside the coffee shop, there was this, this, like these plastic patio chairs, and she knew she couldn't take the dog in the coffee shop, so she tied the dog's lead around one of these plastic chairs, and, and she went into the coffee shop and ordered herself a cold drink, and suddenly, coming outside, outside the door, she had this tremendous banging and clattering and barking and crashing. And she looked, and there was Max dragging this plastic chair, and all the time turning around to bark at it, because it was making so much noise as she dragged it behind him. And, you know, there is dragging it and barking it and dragging it and barking it, and every time he dragged it, there was more to bark at. I think to understand sometimes we're a little bit like that in our lives. We're kind of barking at these things that we are resisting and we are tying ourselves into this cycle of busyness and, and noise and clutter and that it's possible just to stop still. And sometimes the noise stops still with us. And at least we are listening and we are present and we can hear something else other than the noise of what we're trying to avoid. And this practice is not about withdrawal or passivity, but a path of investigation, of looking in our own hearts and our own lives, who or what we see as adversaries or opponents or enemies, what do we struggle with? Is there another path possible for us? A different path other than aversion and resistance? Is there a freer way to be? Other than always being married to what we are resisting? The moment that we are able to stop and to listen, we begin to befriend our world, befriend ourselves, befriend each person who comes into our world, not passively, but with a clear wisdom and with an open heart that allows us to learn, to see beneath the world of appearances, to live with generosity of spirit. Thank you for listening. 
To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.